0: Now before we get into the Word, I have to take a moment here, hopefully I keep collected, is I'm honored to have so many family members here today. And Guy, I don't want you to stand, but raise your hand, just just wave it. Fifty-four years ago, when I was 14 years old, Guy was 17, he led me to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that started a chain reaction in our family. My sister got saved, you got people in Papua New Guinea being saved today, Because a 17-year-old boy obeyed, told a 14-year-old about Christ, his sister got saved, people got saved. That's why we tell people about Jesus. And I'm just, thank you. I'm honored that you're here this morning. Thank you for being used of God. In 1964, Paul Simon, songwriter, wrote the song, The Song, The Sound of Silence. Now, it's a quintessential song about uncertainty and hopelessness. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk to you again. Because a vision softly creeping, left its seeds while I was sleeping. In restless dreams, I walked alone. People talking without speaking. People hearing without listening. And no one dared disturb the sound of silence. You know, I think that's kind of a sobering song, don't you think so? Uh, Sobering words. And the thing is, this song was released in 1965. No, here we are in 2022. Things haven't changed much, have they? No. Words like silent raindrops still fall. Silence like a cancer still grows. People still bow and pray to the neon god they made. You know, from earliest times, man has longed, for certainty. The problem is that oftentimes man looks for certainty in all the wrong places and this is what leads to confusion. Uh, David Levithon states um, that our big mistake as a society is to think that there was an antidote for uncertainty, for hopelessness. Now, do you think that's true? I mean, is there? Where do we find hope? Where do I find assurance fair question well romans chapter 5 verses 1 through 11 if you'll turn there romans chapter 5 verses 1 through 11 i'm going to be speaking from the niv i really like the way they handled the 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 translation of this so romans chapter 5 if you have a bible app in the niv let's begin in verse 1 therefore since we have been justified through faith We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also boast in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God has poured out his love into our hearts By the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, since begins a whole new section in Romans, and it, I mean, and it is key to understanding the rest of the book. It's pivotable. It's pivotable. It's where the, the whole book changes. Now, you'll notice that Paul begins this verse with a therefore. I've always thought that the key to all Christian living is to understand the Bible's therefore. Whenever the Bible gives a therefore, You need to stop and look at it because God is trying to tell you something. When you see a therefore, know what it's there for. Yeah, and what Paul is doing here with this therefore is he's looking back at the previous four chapters where he identified man's greatest need. And what is man's greatest need? Well, it is this, forgiveness of sin and reconciliation to God the creator. All through these four chapters, Paul argues like a lawyer and he uh, proves that the world is guilty and condemned before God, that all men are sinners and that man in and of himself is helpless to fix this situation. So God intervenes. God becomes a man and he sends Jesus Christ into the world to die for our sins on the cross. He raises him up the third day And we are made right before God, not on the basis of merits. We could never earn this. But by grace, it's a gift, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this brings us back to chapter 5. And the therefore is going to point forward to the rest of the book. Now, if we look at chapter 5, these first 11 verses, the theme of these 11 verses is assurance. We have assurance. And so what we want to do this morning is we're going to spend time in these first 11 verses and we're going to see that justification by faith gives us assurance for our past, in our present, and even onto our future. We'll see how the heart of Jesus gives us assurance. And then we're going to look at how we live in light of this assurance. So Bible's in hand. Let's look at the very first verse. And you're going to notice that Paul draws your attention to a past event that gives us assurance for our past. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we're going to stop that right there. Paul has been laying down in the first four chapters that we are people with a past. And without redemption and grace... We have an unalterable past. We cannot in and of ourselves erase these sins that we carry with us. They're part of this past. There's nothing we can do about that. And time cannot erase the blots and sins that we carry and cleanse us. You now, C.S. Lewis uh, correctly writes that we are under the illusion. It's a strange illusion that mere time cancels sin. Mere time does nothing for the guilt or fact of sin. Are you listening to that? Do you have that? The past remains in the present. And we are helpless to change it and hopeless in light of our sin. You know, you talk about uncertainty, you talk about hopelessness. Hello, darkness, my old friend. But you know... Thank God for the therefore. Remember, we talked about the therefore's? Paul says, therefore. Underline this therefore. Highlight it. Know this therefore. Because for the believer, this therefore changes everything. Paul wants us to know that there was a past event that altered our past and put us on a new course. The definite declaration has been made. You have been justified by faith. All believers are declared not guilty of the charges rightly brought against them through Christ. Our sins are blotted out. How? The text tells us through Christ. He died in the place for us on the cross. He He bore our sin. He took my penalty. It's through Christ. Now, before we move on to the rest of the message, I want to make sure that we have a right definition that we truly understand what justification means. It's imperative, it's essential. Because, quite frankly, a lot of the things I hear and a lot of the preaching I've heard and read, uh, people make a hash of justification by faith. Here's a definition. Justification by faith is when God declares the believing sinner not guilty. Not guilty. It is both forensic and it is eschatological. No, <coughs> those two words are mouthful, aren't they? What do they mean? Let me explain. By forensic, I mean that in God's court of law, The believer, the one who trusts in Jesus Christ, stands in the right before God and he is acquitted rather than guilty of all charges. Eschatological has the idea of future things. So the believer has been declared already, already not guilty in the advance of judgment day. By trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, the believer is free from God's condemnation. Now, this is going to be important that you get this. We're going to come back to this at the end of the message. But this entire chapter, Paul is actually giving us a little picture of judgment day. So you need to understand that. Now, justification is always by grace, through faith alone, never of merit, It's something that God does for us. And you'll notice the tense that Paul uses, he presents it as a one-time finished act, never to be repeated. When does it happen? When we believe. When we believe in Jesus Christ, we trust in him, the gavel comes down, and God declares you not guilty. The only righteousness that you have is the righteousness of being united with Christ, think about this. My burden's lifted. All my sin blotted out. I've got a clean page. Don't ever lose sight of this truth. You need to remind yourself of this every day. And I, the only way I can think that we could do that is by preaching the gospel to ourselves every day, reminding ourselves where we came from, what God did, and how we believed. No wonder in 1774, John Newton, a former slave trader who converted to Jesus, bleeding Jesus, could pen the words Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Like me. And so, through justification, the believer's past is altered, and we now have assurance for our past. But guess what? God doesn't just leave us here, does he? He doesn't just say, hey, I took care of your past. Go ahead and live your happy little lives. I'm going to let you go. No, he doesn't do that. For if we look back into our text, we see that justification by faith not only gives us assurance for our past, but notice it gives us assurance in our present, in our present living, in our now. Look at the words, therefore, since. Very important words. Therefore, looks back at the past event. Justification. You've been justified by faith. Since, looks at the present blessings or benefits that justification gives us. And Paul's going to list three. So let's go, th- let's go through them very quickly. As we look in our text, the first blessing or benefit of justification that emerges is that we have a new peace. He tells us we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have a new peace. Paul wants you to know that this past event has produced a new present state. You have peace with God. Now you notice, he doesn't say you have the peace of God. Now he's not talking about kumbaya here, singing around the campfire. He's not talking about peace like a river or a feeling of tranquility. He's talking about peace with god in other words all the barriers that separated god and the believer have been removed see we were at war with god god was at war with us peace means the war is over how well the text tells us through christ he makes peace through his cross you know As you go home and you read this chapter, and I hope that you will, you're going to notice at least four times Paul says, through Christ, through Christ, through Christ, through Christ. You think he wants you to know that everything is through Christ? We have peace through the cross. Scroll down to verse 10. When we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. Reconciled. Now, I love that word, reconciled. Reconciliation. It has the idea that we were once enemies and now we're friends. You know, you've got a friend. You know, we talked about the Paul Simon song in the beginning. I was looking at this and it reminded me of the James Taylor song. Hey, ain't it good to know you've got a friend? You've got a friend. Crystal, you've got a friend. You've got a friend. You've got a friend. You've got a new friend. God. You were his enemy, now you're his friend. I love the way Paul describes this very same event in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 through, um, verses 12 through 13. You don't need to turn there. I'm going to read it to you. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 12. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope, without God in the world but now that's like a big therefore isn't it but now in christ jesus you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of christ you know paul's telling us that we're once far away now we're near god was way up there you didn't know who he was you didn't know what to call him but now through the blood of jesus Through faith, you've been brought near. Intimacy. You now call him father and friend. He now calls you child and friend. And we now have a new peace. Hostilities have ceased. And this is the foundation for the next two benefits. Because if we look into our text, the next benefit is going to be That we have a new position. Verse 2, we have a new position through whom, through Jesus, we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We stand in grace. Now, I think by this word grace, Paul isn't just talking about the manner in which God acts or the gifts that he gives, but he's talking about the realm that the believer has been transferred into. We've been transferred into the realm of grace. Now before, before we came to Christ, we stood in the realm of sin, of death, of condemnation. When we trusted Christ, we were transferred into the realm of forgiveness, justification, life, the spirit. We stand in grace. And this is not um, a feeling that comes and goes. It's a definite position. We stand there. We're anchored in there. And look what it does. It gives us hope for the glory of God. We boast in the hope of the glory of God. Now, the word hope in the Bible never means wishful thinking. It also it always means earnest expectation or earnest competence. And he's telling us because we stand in grace, we have full access to God's grace, we have full confidence that God is going to finish in us what he started. We're confident of glory. We have a new peace. We have a new position, and together, this results in a new perspective. This is going to be down in verses 3 and 4. We have a new perspective. And by perspective, it's the perspective on our own personal suffering and then the suffering that goes on into the world around us. Notice that Paul says, not only so, verse 3, but we also boast in our sufferings. Some translations say rejoice, I prefer the word boast. It has the idea of boasting in this. Now, I thought this was a rather strange thing of Paul to say. What do do, do you mean we we boast in suffering? Why do I want to brag about suffering? Why would Paul say this? Well, I think he simply means this. By suffering, he's not talking about uh, suffering that we bring on ourselves because we mess up. He's not talking about persecution, but he's talking about simply the suffering of living in this fallen world. A world that's full of despair, disease, death, everybody's going to die, sadness, um, hatred, war. And it he's telling us that it is very easy to doubt the blessings of God while we suffer. We doubt the reality of the blessings of God When we suffer, when cancer and disease ravage our bodies and mind, when death swoops in and snatches away a spouse or a loved one, when the shadows pursue us, it's easy to doubt. And Paul is telling us that none of this outside suffering or inner suffering can Overthrow the reality of the blessings of God. We are not tyrannized by suffering. Rather, we look at suffering with joyful boasting, with joyful confidence. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. It produces character. It produces hope. In other words, suffering cannot change the final outcome of standing before christ it cannot change it and so we have a new perspective and because of this christians believers have assurance in their present living now review so far we've seen that we have assurance in our past We have been declared not guilty and this has altered my entire past. Not guilty. This leads to assurance in our present. We now have peace with God. We're no longer at war and we have all these wonderful benefits that follow. But guess what? Paul doesn't end it there. No, he doesn't. What he does now is he looks forward, he looks beyond, and he wants you to know that you have assurance for your future. And that's going to be found in verses 5 through 11. We'll be coming back to these kind of bit one at a time, but we have assurance for our future. And it is here that we're going to see the very heart of Christ. Now, by future, I'm not talking about a week from now, a year from now, No, or even 50 years from now. I'm talking about when time ends. When consummation happens. Judgment day. In this whole chapter, Paul paints a picture of judgment day. He does that in chapter 8, too. A picture of judgment day. Look at verse 5. And hope does not put us to shame. Some translations say disappoint. You remember hope? is is what it's 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 confidence earnest confidence expectation the believer will not be put to shame on judgment day scroll down to verse 9 just the phrase we shall be saved from god's wrath through him verse 10 we shall be saved by his life notice something all those verbs are in the future tense And actually, in the original language, they're in what's called a future indicative. And what that means is it is a certain specific future that Paul is talking about here. And what he's talking about is judgment day. And Paul is telling us that because we are justified by faith, declared not guilty, we do not be terrorized by judgment day. We have assurance. How? The golden thread. What? Huh? Huh? What golden thread? There is a golden thread that God weaves throughout the tapestry of the passage of this scripture, and the golden thread is this, the love of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That thread, that golden thread of love, goes through our past into our into our um, present, and on to our future, and when it's drawn tightly together, our past, our present, and our future are bound together in the tapestry of God's love forever. We have assurance because of the heart of Christ. In other words. Jesus loved me then when I was still a sinner. Jesus loves me now as I bumble and stumble on this life, as I walk through this Christian life and I just stumble all the way. Jesus loves me in the future when I stand before him on judgment day. Dear ones, you have to make sure that this gets a hold of you, that you understand this because it's liberating. Jesus said in John chapter 13 to his disciples, and he's saying it to us, he loved him to the very end, to completion. Dear ones, God has no abandoned projects. Understand that. In other words, he loved me then, he loves me now, he loves me forever. Forever. I want to give a, a few pointers on this, uh, on, on this love of God. You know, as we look into our text... I see that it's a demonstrative love. Scroll down to verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet or still sinners, Christ died for us. It's a demonstrative love. God doesn't just talk about love. He demonstrates it. How? By sending Jesus Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. He didn't wait for us to pretty ourselves up now, did he? He died while we were yet sinners. Why? Because he loved us, God loves sinners. Now we see this all throughout the New Testament, all throughout the Bible, really, but through the New Testament in particular. You know Romans chapter, uh, John chapter four, Jesus loved the woman at the well, despite all of her five previous husbands and her living lover. In John chapter eight, Jesus loved the woman caught in adultery. Luke chapter seven, Jesus loved the immoral woman who came and anointed him and wiped her feet with his tears. He loved Zacchaeus, the wee little man up in the tree, who was a cheat and a tax collector. He loved the blasphemer and murderer, the apostle Paul and the scoundrel, the thief on the cross, and dear ones, he loves you and he loves me. He died for us when we were at our worst because he loved us when we were at our worst. He loved us because he loved us. It's a demonstrative love but also notice it's a delivering love you know twice in verses 9 through 10 he says that this love delivers us first of all now being justified by his blood so we're delivered now then he says uh, we will be delivered in the future shall shall be delivered it's a demonstrative love now there's something here I don't want you to miss and these are some remarkable words Uh, circle them highlight them and it's the two remarkable much mores that Paul puts in here. Beginning in verse 9. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? Now, kind of confusing, isn't it? What does Paul mean by this? Well, I think he means simply this. Since God has done the harder thing, loved us while we were yet sinners, and justified us through His blood, the death of His Son, He will do the easier thing, save us from God's wrath, now that we're justified. Verse 10 Since God has done the harder thing, reconciled us while we were God's enemies through the death of His Son on the cross, how much more Will he do the easier thing, save us by his life now that we're his friends? Dear ones, you got to make sure this grips you. This is liberating. You know, Romans chapter 8 is considered one of the great chapters in the Bible. It begins with no condemnation. It ends with no separation. Paul says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, there is no condemnation. He's not under condemnation. And how does he end the chapter? He says, Jesus Christ loves us forever. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? What's his answer? No one. Make sure you get a hold of this. I have friends. I know people who are so terrorized by Judgment Day, terrorized. of of still being in their sin that they lock themselves up and they can't live their lives. That's not what we do. This promise of assurance gives us liberty to live our Christian life to the fullness. And that's what he wants us to do. So what do we do with all this? You know, we have some great assurance here, don't we? What do we do with it? Well, verse 11, Paul tells us what to do. He says... Not only is this so, all the stuff we just talked about, but we also boast in God through Jesus Christ our Lord. What do we do? We boast in Christ. We boast in Christ. Now, Paul doesn't tell us what this looks like. So I scribbled down. There's some points up there, and I had scribbled down in a Bible at home um, what boasting in Christ might look like. You might find something different. First of all, we boast in Christ when we boast in Christ. Real well, simple, isn't it? We've got a wonderful story to tell. Forgiveness, new life. Why wouldn't we tell it? Second, we boast in Christ when we love one another. And that's pretty self-explanatory. When we love one another. Third, we boast in Christ when we extend the hand of invitation to a lost, ungodly culture. Rather than constantly pointing the finger of condemnation to them. Jesus died for the ungodly because he loved the ungodly. Ought we not do the same and invite them to Christ? Last, we boast in Christ when our lives do not boast in ourselves, but boast in Christ. In other words, when people see me, am I boasting in Christ? Just how I live? Or am I boasting in myself? Dear ones, this is great news, isn't it? This is great news. It's wonderful news. We have assurance. And because of this assurance, if you can put up the very last slide, because of this assurance, when the heart of Christ gives believers assurance, we break through the sound of silence and proclaim, Jesus loves me, loved me then. Jesus loved me. Loves me now. Jesus loves me forever. Now, what I want to do here as we prepare for our closing prayer, I want us to recite this as a congregation because it is important that you have this assurance. It will change your life. So I'm going to start. You follow along with me. Now, when the heart of Christ gives believers assurance, we break through the sound of silence and proclaim, Jesus loves me now. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves us forever. Don't ever follow me. (laughs) Question. Do you have assurance this morning? Is he your friend? Do you know him? Have you been declared not guilty? If you have any doubt in that, any doubt in that whatsoever, I would love to talk to you about it. This is important stuff, assurance. Bow in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for sending your son that we can have assurance. We pray for anyone here who doesn't have that assurance that they would find it. And we pray that as we go out through this week, we would boast in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.